Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You're about to hear opinions that you may like. Then again, you might hear some that offend you. We don't apologize for that. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Happy New Year. Let's get it started with some tough conversations. It's just kind of what we do on this program. You know, Congress and President Trump fought over that huge spending bill, trillions of dollars right before Christmas, really right up until just before New Year's. Over 5,500 pages of an omnibus spending plan were given to Congress members about six hours before they had to vote on it. Is this how government should be doing business? I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for making American Viewpoints part of your weekend. And, you know, many projects are included in that bill, including funding for the Museum of the American Latino and a museum dedicated to women's history. I'm joined now by Mike Gonzalez from the Heritage Foundation. His new book is called The Plot to Change America, and it focuses on identity politics. Mike, great to have you back on the program. Thanks a lot for having me on, Mike. Let me quickly answer your question. No, we shouldn't do business this way. And if you want an, a name for this bill, rather than say omnibus, because omnibus is a, a nice Latin term that we borrowed from the Roman Senate, what about runaway beer truck on fire bill? Because this is, it's nauseating that we do businesses with it. The U.S. Congress does business this way. As for the Latino Museum, Nobody wants it except for the, the very far left elite that makes a living out of this. And it's, it's really bad all around. Sorry to be so negative. No, I mean, that's what we're, we're talking about here because, you know, we have the obviously the African-American History Museum and other parts of the country. There are regional museums. I've been to the Native American Museum in Arkansas. But you've just written about this particular project, the Museum of the American Latino calling it uh, being a divisive in nature. What's your objection to it and what makes it so divisive? Well, first of all, uh, let's say that the African-American uh, Museum is different because Blacks do occupy a unique space in our history. There's no getting away from that and we should, in fact should address it. I would personally not like to see them uh, hived off in a separate museum. I think African-American history should be dealt with in American history, we definitely should be reading more Frederick Douglass, Booker T. We should be understanding about the the, 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 the anti-literacy laws that were passed in the antebellum South. The thing that has happened, the creation of identity politics, which goes back to the, 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 the late 60s, 70s, and 80s, that is reimagining America as a confederacy of, of groups, of categories made up of uh, sex or race or ethnicity, all of which, all of whom are you know, victimized and marginalized, is that they all said, well, our situation was analogous to Black Americans. No, that's a big lie. Sure, Mexican-Americans face discrimination in Southern Texas and in all of the Southwest, really, but especially in Southern Texas, but nowhere to the degree that Black Americans experience legal mandated discrimination. So, so this creation of discrete ethnic categories 
it's been really bad for American society. There is no such a thing as a Latino category. I mean, there is officially because the government created it. The Office of Management and Budget created it in 1977 in policy directive number 15. But the thing is, though, that nobody... My, thank you for mentioning my book, by the way, The Plot to Change America. One of the things I set out to do is dispel this myth that these categories, these groups were created because there was a grassroots uh, clamor for recognition and for justice. No such thing. This is a grass stops project. And this museum is a grass stops project. It, it is the, the plaything, is the brainchild of, of the activists of the, of the left. They have a project that can go into that. And, and it's going to be controlled by ethnic studies professors. It's going to be a disaster. Mike, one of the things that's often argued for when a museum is put forth, when it has to do with history or anything controversial, is that, one, it's honoring heritage and tradition and history, as you just mentioned. But it's also said that this is going to spark conversations and it's going to drive us to some sort of solution or better understanding. Is that even possible if we get into... Uh, I guess, demographic-specific museums? Look, Mike, I mean, I'm, I'm a Cuban-American. I wouldn't mind, actually, a museum dedicated to the Cuban-American experience or to Puerto Rican history or to Mexican-Americans. As for resolving, I'm looking at your last name. I'm assuming, let me take a wild guess here, that you have Scots-Irish somewhere along the way. That's absolutely 100% correct. <laughs> right. So my last name is Gonzalez. I'm a Cuban-American. You're some kind of Scots-Irish, probably mm -hmm. other things. Do you and I have anything to resolve? Do we have any animosity here? We've always got along pretty well when we talked. <laughs> so, so I don't understand. What is this boondoggle that's going to cost the American taxpayer, you and me, 600, no, yes, $600 million. Oh, my goodness. $600 million for something nobody wants. To resolve what? To, to, to continue the, 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 the myth that there's such a thing as a Latino American, that, we, that we're all one hermetic block of people who all think the same. This is, this is, uh, it's madness. Mike, one of the things that I, I also noticed, and this is kind of relating to what we're talking about right here, the Heritage Foundation has a web event coming up re regarding this conversation over race. And it's a critical race theory you referred to as the new intolerance. What is it that uh, you're going to be discussing? And what, what are the takeaways you want people to have when we talk about when we talk about demographics, we talk about race, whether it's right here on a radio show like this or on the upcoming The Web event that you're going to be a part of. Yeah, so I wrote a paper along with my colleague, Jonathan Butcher, uh, and it's on critical race theory, which is really the, the philosophy. I don't want to call it a philosophy or a discipline, but for lack of a better word, the thinking that is behind identity politics, all of this, it starts out as critical theory in the 30s, and then in America, it devolves into critical race theory in the late 70s. It's a way to criticize, demolish, really, traditions and norms and uh, in, in, in institutions, just criticize them to death in order to install new ones. That's why I call my, my, my book The Plot to Change America, not because they have this a conspiracy with meetings in Cambridge, Massachusetts every Thursday night or Brooklyn, New York. No, because they, they, the purpose of all this, of the purpose of creating these categories that are supposed to be monolithic in their thinking is to tear down what is good about America, what convinced my parents when I was a young child that they should leave socialism and move to a place with prosperity and liberty, um, to tear that down and to replace it with central planning, to replace it with something anti-capitalist, which is 
Marxism, communism, socialism, uh, and that is the plot. And that critical race theory is is what's being taught in the universities. It, it's the, this idea that everything everything should be seen through the prism of race. Everything, everything is a discussion about race, and everything is a dynamic, a power dynamic between groups of people, and that it is a very corrosive way. Well, it's purposely corrosive, right? It wants to corrode America. And when is that event happening? It's happening uh, on the 11th, January 11th. Uh, go to the Heritage Oregon. We also have, we're very happy to have a visiting fellow at Heritage by the name of Chris Rufo. I don't know if you remember him. It was Chris Rufo that convinced President Trump uh, to, to ban, to, ex- to issue an executive order banning critical race theory trainings that, 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 that uh, falsely go under the heading of anti-racism training, the not anti-racism, the pro-racism, uh, critical race theory trainings in the federal workplace and among federal contractors. It was Chris Rufo. Chris Rufo was on TV. Trump saw him and he told, uh, he told um, Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, hey, I mean, we need to do something about it. We need to get rid of critical race theory training. Um, that was a very good thing. Once again, I'll just mention the book once more time because I, I enjoyed it, Mike. It's, uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff that makes you mad in there, but I appreciate the book. Let me put it that way. The Plot to Change America, How Identity Politics is Dividing the Land of the Free, uh, heritage.org. You can also find the book on Amazon. And, and Mike, if they find you at uh, Heritage, you're, you're also all over Twitter and social media as well. I, and, and, and my book is The Plot to Change America. It is selling rather well. Mm-hmm. on Amazon uh, for reasons that I'm not really happy about, as you can imagine, because of the tumultuous year that we had in 2020 and everything that I wrote about, it's actually coming to, to fruition. It's, it's, it's hitting the streets. Uh, they, 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 the riots and the disturbances we saw this year, and which are continuing, by the way, are, are really the result of the critical theory and the critical race theory that I discuss in my book. And once again, that is Mike Gonzalez from the Heritage Foundation. The book is called The Plot to Change America. And speaking of race, let's shift our focus to jobs and how black Americans are faring right now. More to the point, have things gotten better or worse for them over the past few years? That's just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.